This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. <laughs> We're big fans. You know, I watch and listen to every episode, as you know. Thank you, Jenny. Love the Vietnamese podcast. And actually, actually, I'm episode four. For you guys who want to go back, like my chum episode. <laughs> Is that amazing? Like within high number. Yeah. High number. About a year and a half now. Yeah. But you're up into uh, the hundreds of episodes. This is amazing. It's amazing. We have a lot of amazing people in our community like you and Jenny. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. You know, it's like amazing. I mean, the, I should have had you on more often, you know, at this point, you know, when, but you two are both very busy people too. And, you know, I tried to schedule Ham, the first one we did. I mean, we tried to schedule three or four times. Yeah, yeah. Because I was so busy editing Micah. Micah, actually. <laughs> I was busy working on Micah a lot, let's yeah. just say. Because the post process took so long. It was really tedious. Uh, a lot of meticulous editing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to welcome both of you today. Uh, we have Ham Tran, uh, director of Micah. Um, hi, Ham. Hi. <laughs> and we have Jenny Chang Lei, um, producer of Micah, Uber producer. Uh, Jenny's produced a lot of films, 14 films in, in Vietnam so far. So we are um, well, I'm honored to have you both here uh, together to talk about Micah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you for having us back. <laughs> Now, how did Micah come together? Uh, Micah came together in 2018. Um, I had just lost my mom. And so I was really depressed and thinking about leaving Vietnam to come back to the States because when she was ill, I was stuck in Vietnam shooting a film and I couldn't come back to visit her. And I was able to, but then it affected the filmmaking. And so I was like, man, like now my there's only my dad left. Like, should I stay? Should I just go back? And um, and then DHD came to me with a project that they had been trying to develop for four years before I came onto wow. the scene. They had an outline that was written by Anne Vincent Ngo, who wrote Hancock. And um, and you know they started because Jay Hing, who's the head of BHD, is a huge fan of the old TV show from the 1970s, made in Czechoslovakia, called "The Girl Who Fell Out of the Blue Sky," and that TV show found a huge following in Vietnam in the late 80s and early 90s, right? And so everybody was talking about Micah. All the kids loved Micah. She was a fan from back in the day. And Martin, who's uh, Vincent's uh, company partner at the time, he and Vincent developed this outline and they gave it to Ji Hing and they were looking for a director. And they couldn't find one that actually can, you know, has to write, connect it with the script. And so when she gave it to me and I was like, I don't know if I want to make another movie, Ji. I kind of want to leave Vietnam. And she's like, you need to make another movie. It's the only way you're going to get past your grief. 
So she sent me the outline and I read it. And the outline said, the story is about a little boy who lost his mother and is trying to overcome his grief when he meets an alien girl named Micah. So I was like, when I read it, I, I was, I instantly connected. And I was like, yes, I can write this. I can write this character, but because, and then that's how I really took the original concept and really made it personal about the kid and really made it focused, you know? And the little boy is him. Yeah, the little boy we ended up casting is kind of like mini Ham. And then actually when Ham called me to to produce the film, I was also, I was actually in, in another relationship and, and I was planning to move back to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Okay. I was planning to move. <laughs> We're looking up a lot. I, I was planning to move back to Vietnam and then and Ham was just like, Jenny, I really need you. It's a, it's a really complicated script. You know, you have just one more, you know? And then I was like, okay, Ham, one more. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. Yeah. it was really interesting because, you know, we have another uh, producing partner in East. And so he was making a film called Jang Tae mm -hmm. and Lam was producing that. No, Jenny was producing that first and yes. Lam was producing Micah. Yes. And then with all the delays, Lam ended up producing Jang Tae and then Jenny was now free. And so like, Jenny, you come over to, you know, produce Micah because, you know, this is perfect That's for right. us to, do, to yeah. work together. I forgot that part. Yeah. And then actually, so Lum is the producer of Journey from the Fall. Right. So we were all very close, you know, so and so, yeah. So what happened was Jang Tae delayed a whole year, you know, and so then I was I already I jumped onto another project. And then when it came up, then then I was already in this other project. And then when it ended, you produced Mauricio. Yeah, film. then I produced yeah. Mauricio. And, you know, it was just it was just timing. Yeah. It worked out that sort of. Yeah. yeah. And, so and that's you know, how it all came together, you know. Yeah. And, you know, this idea of timing, I, I'm going to use the word magical in this episode a lot because it, it feels to me like sometimes or a lot of times we don't even pick the project. The project picks us. Mm. And what you guys just described, it feels like the project picked Ham, mm -hmm. and then Jenny, you were on another project, and then now, like, the project picks you to yeah. come on board to work. You know, a lot of times things happen that yeah. way, and I, and I feel like, you know, we, we encountered so many obstacles when we were shooting and even in post, but I feel like every obstacle that we encountered led to the result of this beautiful film. Yeah. And so it was almost, it was a guided path. And I don't know how else to say it. And it's maybe because, you know, I'm really connected to it. So I thank my mom every time mm -hmm. stuff like that happens. And I go, thank you, you know, for watching yeah. over me, for like, you know, providing guidance for this film. Um, because when I, when I accepted it, I knew that I wanted to make something to dedicate to my mom, mm -hmm. you know? And so I wrote with a lot of my personal experiences in it. There are certain scenes that are completely like straight off the last days that I spent with my mom, you know? Um, and so for me, it has, I think I've made seven, six features since Journey from the Fall. And this is my person, my most personal film since Journey. Yeah. yeah. You know, I uh, spoke to both of you throughout the, the making of Micah many times, obviously, because we've been on calls and stuff like that together. But what I know when people watch this film, they're gonna see how full it is. It's, it's very lush, you know, for me. That's a way I could describe this film. Lush in very uh, different aspects. The sound is lush, the visuals are lush, but I know that it was bare bones what you got. You worked with bare bones budget, bare bones uh, crew. And to see what's on, and I'm, I'm, I'm really selling this idea of like when you see it, you can't imagine how bare bones it was on the back end to make this. And I so much love and respect for both of you 
Can you tell me a little bit about that, uh, putting it together? Oh my God. I mean, we, we just basically called in a lot of favors and thanks to Jenny, cause she knew everybody, you know? And so when we started, everybody was filming. So there were like to try and get a production designer, a costume designer, all of those was so rare because everybody was filming and it was just basically Jenny going through a roster of everybody that she's worked with and saying who's available, but then who really fits to make this yeah. film? Because it wasn't good, just availability, but it was like, oh, okay, Andau, she had just worked with, you know, and it was like, oh, he would be great because he really pays attention to the details. He's right? also like, he's a French, he's French McGill. So his sensibility is a little bit different. And then, and then also he loves, he's a Star Wars, like fanatic right and so he just loves anything with space and it's sort of like i felt like it was a good fit like and had never met had never met him before had never worked with him before but then you know just and i knew that and that was a kind of person that would really fill the screen because it's it's all about that right it's really and all the props and everything they made they made you could see like yeah. they took a lot of time making those props and yeah. so that's that and that adds to the lushness right yeah. that adds to the production design i mean so the production design is so full for the budget that we're yeah. working with. Totally. and believe me we're working with very little budget like yeah. compared to other films they're like oh my god they have three times the money we have <laughs> You know, and we we're like, oh my, one day we'll be able to work with a budget like that. <laughs> and even like, say, so, so Holmes, so uh, Holmes' character is all, you know, his dad fixes bones, but very much Holmes is like an inventor. Like, him really wanting to be like a little, you know, young inventor type. Yeah. So it's all about having all these little gadgets, things that, gadgets, gadgets that he yeah. made, you know, and then we, and then uh, for the father. There's a repair shop and that was able to like, they basically went to what, like, kind of like a junkyard and got like so much stuff like, all the, just really and cleaned up things so that it's just all these like old appliances that added so much like texture, texture. and like yeah. yeah no so and that was great you know and the costume designers were great i mean we shot through COVID, so we had to start and stop four different times and each time was a different production designer different costume designer you know so trying to keep the continuity was like a super that that's like uh, analogous to like a five thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, restarting it up every time throughout. Right? It's like there was one scene where the two uh, <laughs> character, main characters, you know, Holm and Micah, they're talking in the castle. That castle was shot in three different cities. At three different times. Three one, different times. One was like a year apart. Yeah. So we shot we shot that originally the first part of the scene we shot in Danang. In Banna Hills. In Banna Hills, the real place. And then COVID shut us down. And well, we first had, it was the Sunmu. Yeah, first it was, oh my God, it was the fog. <laughs> so we had three days scheduled there. We had three days. And on the and second day, the fog came in yes. at 5 p.m. And it basically, like, from here to where you are, the like, screen, it was just like this. You could like, not see through it. <laughs> like it was like, oh, can you It was know? thicker than pea soup. It was, you literally could not see three feet in front of you. Wow. And so, and we were like, okay, well, we'll just wait until tomorrow. The next day it came in at three. <laughs> they're like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. And then you when know? we talk to the locals there, they're like, oh, this is this this, this is gonna be there for like you can't it could be a week, but they can't yeah. predict it because wow. you know, weather. And then the, the what with Bana Hills, you know, we were able to get sponsorship. So we actually were able to film there for free and then and stay there. Cause um if, for those of you who don't know, you know, Bana Hills is about maybe two hour drive from Da Nang and it's up in the hills. So you have to take the cable car twenty all the way minutes up. in a cable car. So, all the way up. you know, so then we had to stay in the hotels there. So we stayed on campus and then we ate at the mess house. It's kind of fun, yeah, actually. Yeah, no, and then so. it was a lot of like coordination of like cable cars. And meanwhile, it's a working park. 
three so different units. Jenny, actually, I, you should get second unit director. She did the scene with them running on the hands bridge, the famous golden yeah. bridge. Yeah. And, uh, and so in the morning, I would be, I would scout and I would go, okay, Jenny, you go take this stuff. Uh, fly cam team, you go take this stuff and I'm going to leave this stuff. And so we were three teams coordinating, getting wow. footages, you know, because we only had three days. And after the first day, we only had one more day to shoot everything. So we knew I had to split the team up and say, just get me coverage and I will sort it out. Yeah. You know, and 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 um, they took the they took that literally because because the, the different teams didn't write anything down what they shot. So they really just shot, they everything, shot everything and then had to go through hours everything. and hours and hours of footage at Banner Hill. We shot so much like storage, like yeah. we just shot so much footage. So when people see they're like, wait, how many days did you shoot there? And then we're like, yeah, we just shot the crap out of it and pretty much one and then one and then, evening yeah and then we, and then and then like we said you know the the fog came in we had to we had to we couldn't wait up there pay everybody for doing nothing so we had to go back and then we just had the whole plan to basically well first we found another castle in Bungtau that looks like that but then we ran out of time there too then the third location we reconstructed the castle in a studio so wow. those are the three locations <laughs> for the one scene People don't realize how chaotic this so stuff crazy. is. And then the home, the, the the home where home lives, you know, we had shot that in Da Nang. And then, of course, we couldn't go back to Da Nang. So we had to recreate the entire home in a studio in Saigon. You know, we, we had a third, like that. by then it was a third team of production designers went back up, took photographs of the home because we actually paid the homes not to undo all of the production design because we redid their wallpaper, yeah. we redid their floors, we redid, redid everything. And so, and then while we were waiting, we were paying them not to undo all that work. But it was you funny know. because so that the it's a real that building you know the out the exterior is the same as the interior so mm -hmm. it's really like a beautiful as you can see the you know beautiful cool, really cool old building, and then once we recreated it in the studio, but of course now with the studios so you have more space more more like walls control. that you can move and more control. We're like, oh, why, why don't we just shoot this in the studio? <laughs> this is thinking that we were going to save money and shoot everything in Nanang during the first time yeah. around. And that's what it was. It was like the storm, the typhoons yeah. killed that plan. And then COVID made sure that plan was dead. <laughs> like that, that plan just got killed and COVID came and just shot it while it's on laying yeah. on the ground, you know? So, <laughs> so, so really when the monsoons came to Nanang, it was like, you know, like flooding, like flooding monsoons. Like we couldn't. We really we had we had to leave. We, we had shoot, to leave. We could, right? and I didn't believe them. I was like, "Are you sure? You just are you just, any proof? You you have other films that you're working on, so you just don't want it." They're like, "No," I said, "Take a photo for me." And every day the guy would take a photo, and it would show like rain up to the knees. Wow, up to the knees. Yeah, because we were shooting indoors, so it didn't affect us. We felt the rain, but we didn't like all the other, you know, all the They're other. Like, people have to move. Trucks have to move in the streets. Good luck. You need a boat. You know, we're like, what? It's yeah, crazy it's that true. this film got made. It's crazy it's, that and we're not even we we're not even we haven't even gotten to the discussion of like handling multiple children on the shoot. Yeah, I mean, compounding factors. It's a miracle that this movie was made. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, if you look if, when you watch the film, you know, if, well, you have, but when the audience watches the film, pretty much like ninety percent are scenes are just kids. Like we had very little scenes where it's just adults. You yeah. know. So it was like that. Well, you know, like 
Obama's book is called The Audacity of Hope. We've got the tenacity of hope, all right? Because we just that. stuck with the film. We stuck with the film all the way through, yeah. through everything. And it was just, you know, and then the the the, the people who were truly connected to it, like Mingu, he stayed RDP. with it, RDP, stayed with it all the way through. So there are certain people who are like, no, we love this film. We're going to do everything that we can for it and stuck. And other people were like, we love to, but we already signed a, a contract with another production company. So they moved on, you know, you know, yeah. this backstory is so inspiring to hear because, you know, oftentimes we think of like business plans. We think of like, like ideas that were like, okay, we're going to do this A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And there's this like way to do things. Right. And this movie is not like that at all. There's no, there was no direct line to go ABC. It was just like, it sounds very sporadic and spur of the moment and planned serendipity. That's the chaos of, that's the chaos of production though. That's yeah. the thing. You have to really roll with the pensions. All filmmaking is controlled chaos. Once you try to have that schedule and all these elements come in to try and break that schedule. And for us, we were just, we just needed that, that lighthouse mm. to follow that, that little beacon, you know? And for me, that beacon was, this is for my mom. Mm. This is for my mom. This is for my mom. And so whatever we did, whatever, anything that was happening, I was like, I got to get through this because I just closed my eyes and basically, you know, they say they put it out in the universe. Right. And I just closed my eyes and I envisioned the movie when it's done. And that's all that I could see, you know? Mm. And, and you know, for me, I've never not finished a project, you know, so for sure, like there were times when it was hard and then we're just like, no, we got we got to keep going. You know, like when yeah. we when we ran out of money, when the kids didn't want to perform anymore, when like, you know, everybody was like low spirited. We just got to you know, our get department some... left and Jenny's like, no, you can't leave me. I remember she's like, no, you can't leave me. You were our last hope. <laughs> Those tears were real. Those tears were real. Those tears were real. Yeah. So crazy talking. Yeah, blood, like, sweat, and tears. And then even honestly. after we finally finished shooting, after one year, one year we finished shooting. The kids were eight, eight, like seven or eight when we finished or we started, and they were like nine, ten by the time we finished. And like, you know, we um that every time, even during post, then there was like another new set of challenges. And like, and I know that every time we would get down, we would just watch a clip of the film. And we would see their cute, adorable faces. And then we would remind each other, yeah. no, we're making a really good film. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you get caught up in all the logistics and all the drama of like whatever, you know, and then, but actually just what we, we knew what we have is really special. It's just about and she always said that. And I was like, I, I don't know, Jenny, I don't know if it's even going to get finished. She goes, Ham, this is your best film. I did during, during the shooting. Every single time. She would always remind me, don't worry, you're making your best film. And it's yeah. true. And, and, you know, I've worked on um, from a previous company called Wave Releasing. We brought in movies from uh, Vietnam to the U.S. to distribute at the theaters. I've worked on quite a few. Um, and I would, and I have this, <laughs> uh, you know, Second Electric, Alan the Sparrow, They Might Then, Six Inch Heels, that, that's the name of a few, um, that, that, that I placed in the, the theaters. And I have to handle community uh, liaison and endorsements and sponsorships this movie has been very different in 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 very many different ways from community um acceptance to uh how easy the theaters are working with us working against us the support from the distribution side the support for, for you know the partners within the community 
winners from within our own teams. It's it's I, I can't tell you it, um it it's not a hundred percent different. It's about five hundred percent different in terms of the kind of like the synergistic uh, support. And now we have this whole social media that uh, I have not seen even just five years ago or whatever. The amount of social media support for this film is has been off the off the charts. Thank you. It's yeah, it's true though. We're we're noticing that too. And again, I just I think my mom, right? Yeah. That and I I I've seen you, you know, when you were working with Ray releasing mm -hmm. and, and doing releases for other films, but there was something like driving you for this film. And same thing with Anderson and Bao. And I I love that East came together. together. Kind of like for a long time, you know, because COVID spread us out. Yeah, and, we started and, three years ago. Yeah. But we you know it spread us out but this film pulled us back together yeah. and we, and everybody like contributed and so i just i felt so moved and and i i missed that to, to anderson last night and you know he, he's he's mr not touchy feely not touchy feely so he's like yeah all right <laughs> so, we're, we're the touchy feely people we are we are the three of us he would call us the kumbaya group right <laughs> we're <laughs> totally the kumbaya, kumbaya group, group right? <laughs> Like, I feel so many emotions. <laughs> no, like, yeah, no, we have to add an extra shout out to our other producers, you know, Bao Wing and Anderson Le, who really like just um, really spirited, championed everything and reinvigorated the film. Oh, actually. Yeah. I mean, you saw how I was when I was editing. I was really like, I was, it was like I was work, working like in a dungeon, right? Because <laughs> COVID had, had me locked up by myself inside. I would be like, Ham, did you eat? Did you, you know? sleep? No, no, and and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this film, you know, I don't know if we're ever gonna finish. And then that's when Bowen Anderson said, "We're gonna submit it to Sundance." I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, the, right. the, the cut is still yeah. so long." And this guys is not are a like Sundance cool film. as a cucumber. Those guys are just cool. They're like, "Yeah, we're they were so cool." They kept no, but cool. <laughs> so cool. and I was like, "No," and then I said, "Just get it done." Yeah, pretty much, Anderson. Just get it done. Get it done, yeah. right? And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Just like slaving away, right? And then you know, but the first cut, the first cut was like one hundred and eight sixty minutes long. Mm -hmm. It was two hours and forty minutes long, and and Anderson's like, that's not gonna work. Sundance, this is we're we're gonna submit it. We're gonna try and submit it for their kids program, kids films under hundred. Get it done. I was like, what? Let's. 160. I, I had to cut them. out sixty minutes of the yeah. film, and he goes, get it done. And was, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, like we would never dream that we were able to world premiere in Sundance. Never. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we we internally, Ham and I call Anderson uh, unhigh because <laughs> you need to have that kind of unhighness, right? Which is like, just get it done. Like, just take the emotions out of because we're all very emotional people as well. Like, mm -hmm. sorry, we get emotional. And he's always like, it's like herding cats with you guys. Like, yeah. What? Cats. cats don't want to move exactly <laughs> that's exactly it and you know bow is another powerhouse when it comes to this sort of like game theory and how to move things along and just no, but he brings people together you know bow's all about the coalescence of of community yeah right 
And he's very good at that. Master at it. Yeah. Like yesterday, you know, we had our special industry screening at CAA, like the Q&A moderated by Kelly Marie Tran, yeah. which is like, what just happened? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, it's Kelly. <laughs> there's what? There's like a Bosco brother. Do you know? Do you guys remember? Yeah, the he was there too. Yeah. Was there. Yeah. 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 The older Bosco brothers was there. There's yeah. a few familiar. A lot of people came out. Like Porter Lynn came out. A lot of, yeah. lot of, lot of faces. There was a an, an an agent over at ICM, Peter Trin. Shout out! Oh to yeah, he came out. Yeah, 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 I came out to support. A lot of people came up to me after and said, "You know what? Um, this movie was shot entirely in Vietnam, but it, God, I don't want to put any Vietnamese films down because I'm I'm here to uplift." But they said to me, and and I'm I want to ask you to this question. It's like, why does it feel like an American movie? That they've asked me. It's a weird question. Two people came up to me, different people. They said, but, you know, this is a Vietnamese film shot in Vietnam, but why does it feel like an American film? It's by design, though. I mean, it's by no. design. Because, look, the whole part of East's mission was to make films in Vietnam that travel outside of Vietnam. I, we didn't want people to only look at Vietnam as like, oh, the, you know, the only films that can leave Vietnam are art house films. Right. Yeah. Or films that take part, you know, take place in the countryside. Or like it. broad you know? comedy. Exactly. And so we wanted to show sort of like the more modern side of Vietnam, but also the issues of modernity. Right. It's all about sort of like uh, gentrification, you know, like and that's why the, the family is being ousted by the landlord who's trying to sell to this bigger group that's trying to mm. build these giant condominiums. These are issues that are actually happening in Vietnam as well. But at the same time, we wanted to show a side of Vietnam that nobody's ever seen, which is why we set it in Benang instead of in Saigon. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you're frozen. So uh, I'm going to stay here. Okay. I can still hear. So, you know, we didn't want to set it in Saigon. We didn't want it to set it in Dalak, where everybody was, oh, yeah. Dalak is so beautiful. Everybody wants to shoot there. So, like, no, there are other places in Vietnam that are just as deserving, they're just as majestic. And then when I found out, you know, um, that there's Bana Hills. And again, a lot of it is by design. I wanted to pay homage to the original TV show. And in the original TV show, she crash lands in the mountains and they fly across the castles. And I was like, we need to have a scene where they fly over castles. But where are there castles in Vietnam, right? Bana Hills. Bana Hills, right? And then, and then you know, sort of like, uh, uh, how, how can a Vietnamese film relate to like sci-fi? And then I found out that there are these meteorites that are very special. They're called tektite. And there are only like four countries where they're found in abundance. And Vietnam was one of them. And in Da Nang is where there's the most tektite, near Da Nang, right? Really close. Oh so I was like, this is great. And as the more that I researched, mm -hmm. the more I felt like Vietnam is totally relatable to a sci-fi film. The first man to, you know, the first Asian, Asian man, man to walk in space was Pham Tung and he's Vietnamese. Freaking Vietnamese. Like, what? And so, and then, you know, so all these things started coming together and started wow. coalescing. And I was like, I could, this works. And then, of course, 
my favorite holiday is Tet Chung Tu, right? This it's it's all about kids, yeah. right? And we were making a kids movie, and then as I was researching Tet Chung Tu, and I love I mean, my grandma and I, we used, I used to help my grandmother make the mooncakes. Right? Oh wow! She would bring, she didn't bring a lot of things from Vietnam, right? But she brought her molds to make, wow. you know, Tet Chung Tu, and so uh, we were molds and probably gold. Yeah, <laughs> no, no golds, no just gold, molds. just molds, just wooden mallets, right? Where you got. <laughs> make these cakes in and i remember like she brought them all i was like you brought these grandma like, yeah of course i have to it's tradition mm. so so you know and then as i was researching i i came across the mooncake story the vietnamese version of the mooncake story and i was like this is so beautiful it's about a mother who had to leave her child in order to protect her child right i actually didn't know that story until this yeah time. and so when i when i came across that story i was like this is it all these things came together to make this amazing story that you know just in the research we discovered and the more we discovered the more that it, it came to create this this something truly unique you know and it's, it's funny because some there's a, there's a, an article in vietnam that came out and there and basically they were saying oh these kids are not vietnamese and we're like what like those kids are so vietnamese like if you know the family and actually each they're all they all very they, they, of course, they're great actors, but it, a lot of it is their own character. Like, that's how they are, right, you know? Right. And it just goes to show you, Vietnam is changing, you know? Like, the modern, like, Gen Z, they're, like, I don't know, younger Gen Z, whatever. They, they haven't, that, that generation hasn't been named yet, right? But, but like, it's it, it's showing that modernity of, like, what's, what's Vietnam now? Like, well, how are the kids now? They're, like, curious. They're, you know, really creative, you know? They're outgoing. They're more outgoing than the previous generation. Well, I, actually, I wanted to make a little bit of a connection. They, they basically said what you said. They didn't say that these kids weren't Vietnamese. They said that these kids were very Vietnamese, but then they feel like also very- Yeah, like mixed. Very right? global, very Western. And so I was like, that's, again, that's by design. We wanted to show, you know, another side of Vietnam, because if you know anything about what's happening in Vietnam is the younger generation are very Westernized. They're very Westernized because right. of Netflix, because of all YouTube because of all these content that's coming out from all over the world that can now be streamed online in Vietnam, they're very westernized. I mean, Fu, our little boy, when during our, our premiere, was singing, never gonna give you up, never gonna let you. I was like, he is 10 years 10 old. Years How old. would he know Rick Astley, exactly. right? And then, we were, and then we were sitting and he goes, he goes, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Annie, are you okay? So we're like, why are you singing about Annie? You should sing about Micah. So he goes, Micah, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Micah? You know? And, and he doesn't even speak English. He doesn't speak English, but he knew these songs. And that's that speaks to what's happening in Vietnam is that, yes, you have these very Vietnamese traditional kids. They're raised with all these traditional values and customs, but they're also very Western influenced. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to show that. That was one of the things. I don't want ever people to look at Vietnam and say, oh, that's the old country. Yeah. It's not. They're paving their new way and they're trying to figure out who they are and yeah. what their identity is now. That's know? the youth of, of today in Vietnam. Now, speaking of youth, at one point, you were a youth when you went to Sundance the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Some might say still youth. Yeah. <laughs> You're a young pup. This is your second time at Sundance, but how is it different? How is the experience of going uh, with the first film and now? My God, it was, it's it's a whole new world. Like the world has changed yeah. since then because 
I mean, and I and I can't even imagine how it was when Tony Bowie released his film. So think about that, right? Tony Bowie released his film ten years before my film came onto the scene, and wow, right? Wow. And then from Journey from the Fall, now it's been sixteen years since then. So we're talking about a span of twenty six years between our three films, and it's just like when he came, there was nothing, but his film swept. When we came. We were just starting out like, okay, Asian Americans, we're, we're getting more films programmed in the Sundance Film Festivals, but we had to create our own parties, <laughs> right? It was like, oh, this is, this is the API party, right? For, for, for films, you know, Asian films that are at Sundance and at Slamdance, right? So we'd have the, those parties. We would have to make them ourselves. Right. Then Be Water came three years ago. I went to see Bao's film because I was like, man, yes, you know? Uh, and there were Asian panels right sundance hosted by sundance yeah. so the times change and our voices are being given you know a stage right where where people can watch our stories listen and then the panels are there to support right and so it's completely changed think about it like this right when when i made journey from the fall there were no, no films about the war or refugee experience and all that stuff and this year the sympathizers going to be made by hbo into a series crazy think about that right? crazy yeah. it's crazy. crazy you would never imagine that so times have changed representation has changed right and you know and for us we were really proud to say that micah you know was the first sundance has filmed many vietnamese short films they've you know they they program journey they program you know three seasons but we're you know micah is the first film that's fully produced in Vietnam and all the crew, all the cast, all the posts, everything was done in Vietnam and it was selected by Sundance. So, so that, that in itself is already a distinction, but for our US release, we actually had an opportunity to do an English dub, right? And when was the last time you heard of a Vietnamese film released in the US with an English dub? And then on top of that, the film was dubbed by basically 99% Vietnamese cast, yeah, yep. you know, doing the English dub. And so there was only one, and it's Micah's voice, and it's because I'm a huge fan of the actor. Uh, we are a huge yeah, fan. We Malia. are a huge of Malia. Malia is the cutest and the most amazing. Yeah. And she's Indonesian, so it's like all Asian-American, Asian yeah. and Asian-American. So let me let me ask you about this, because this has been sitting in my mind a long time um, since the English dub. Uh, and this is an issue. Um, because I have children and I want to talk to you both about this. You know, what, what do we think about this? And, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong answers. I, I think this is just a discussion, but, um, I know that my daughter sat with you, Ham. Um, oh, yeah? Mia sat with Ham <laughs> at uh, the DGA wanted, screening, the DGA so screening, uh, a few weeks back. And, um, I watched, I watched her because she has a, a short attention span, but when she likes something, the attention span is full. And she couldn't, she can read barely, but she couldn't really get her her grip on, on the story. The language is the issue. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. The language was the issue. And that was the reason why when Wellgo, our distributor, saw it, she she loved it. And we love Wellgo. There have been nothing. Shout out Wellgo. The best distribution company. Yeah. And ever. so when she watched it, you know, and she was like, no, I want kids like American kids, Vietnamese kids, but also American kids to be able to watch this and understand it. And 
we know that they don't like reading subtitles and they check out just like Mia. She was really, anytime there was any like exciting things happen, she was drawn to it. But when there was dialogue, she couldn't keep up. Yeah. So, so, you know, Doris at Wellgo, she was like, what if I give you guys some money to do a dub? And I was like, okay. Turned out it wasn't enough money. We had to go raise it ourselves. And we and this fabulous donor came and she she just gave us the money to do. Who's the donor? Uh, her name is Julia Go, and she's amazing. We love you, Julia. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. So she came in and and basically made that happen, right? And yeah. so, but it was still like the low budget end of making uh, a dub and so i had to direct it because we didn't have enough money to but you know what thank it. goodness yeah. that ham directed it because yeah. it makes it a complete it's a total difference i mean i've i've definitely gone on netflix and just been lazy so okay i'm going to go to the dub version there's always a little bit of you know something you know but then with this it dub, doesn't feel organic because yeah. it doesn't feel like it's part of the movie it's always feeling like the dub is apart from the movie mm -hmm. but on this one when we got it i recorded it and i made sure like the performance matches it's just in english and they're right? all actors they're yeah. all being yeah. when you when you go to like a netflix dub it feels like going to a cafeteria in high school there's like food just being served but when you listen to this dub it feels like your mom made the food for you specifically mm. for you yeah, and every yeah. single one of the cast is so amazing yeah, yeah. oh let's, speak, let's let's talk about the cast right yeah so malia was you know we cast her because i saw this uh film called after yang at sundance so she's fantastic in it but you know when we were casting and, and the voice for home, we ended up casting a woman, a, a, a woman who did the voice for the child. Right. But she, her name is Zanti Huynh. And she's been doing voices for cartoons and things for 15 years. A young Vietnamese woman. Young, young Vietnamese, Vietnamese woman. woman. And her specialty is doing young kids voices because, you know, and she was amazing. She would go in and she would just read it. And yeah, like, that was home, you know, and because the thing is that we only had two weeks to put the whole thing together. So I was like, man, home has a lot of lines. This is our joke though. Home has like 2,500 lines and about a thousand of them are, is Micah. <laughs> Micah, Micah, Micah. <laughs> so, you know, it went through very fast, but, <laughs> but Zanti did an amazing job, right? And then, so I was like, yeah, but you know what, for Kubel, like we can't have an adult read for Bale. Like I, I, I need a real kid. And then, for some reason, I remember like Anvig's son, right? Ellison. I was like, he wrote a book. Yes. I think he may have done like a reading for his book. Yeah. Because like, he, like, he would yeah, tour the book, yeah, you know, he'd do outgoing. the book tour and he would do the readings. So I was like, if he's done book readings, I wonder if he could do a reading for this. So I just reached out to Anvig, you know, as I was like, hi, Anvig, like, do you mind? Like, would, would Ellison be interested in this? Please ask him if he's interested first. And, and so, you know, he asked Ellison, and Ellison saw the movie and he was like, yes, I want to play Bell. And he sent in the first recording and I was like, he That's is him. Bell. Yeah. And according to Envid last night from the screening last night, uh, Bell and, 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 and Ellison were twins. twins separated at birth. Separated at birth. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And just to put it out there, Anvik is Vic Tanwing, the author of yes. The Synthesizer. So we're just putting out there a uh, shout out to Anvik. And, the and also Ham used to be like housemates with Anvit <laughs> and Vilan. Yeah, so it's it's crazy how it all came together. All that's, that's what I'm trying to yeah. say, though. It's it's like a home. This film is like a very oh unique homecoming because it was all the same people that inspired Journey mm -hmm. and started the journey of my filmmaking with mm -hmm. me coming back to help. Like our friend 
Duong Tuna, we call him. Yeah. He came in to design the end credits and help us with the posters. He made T-shirts. You know, Billy. It was, you know, Jenny's like friend from college. Yeah. He helped us with 3D animation. You know, Anderson's friend David came in and helped us with animation. It was like any time we needed help, these our family who have been separated for a long time would come back and then just contribute to this film. And then random, you know, we needed the stuff from the U.S. when we were shooting. Like Tina came through to get a jacket for us in San Francisco. Yes, met the actor who me like for like two. She hours. didn't even meet him. Oh, she had to go meet. to the Zara and pick up the jacket. And he was like, "I'm gonna be in this place." And then, but he kept moving because he was on a tour. And so she, she's like, can, can I just drop it off at your hotel or whatever it is? So she ended up just dropping. They, they never met, but she went to pick up that jacket for him that he brought back to Vietnam and then wore in the scene when we shot. Yeah. And then when we were doing, we were figuring out Micah's hair, we we're doing like, you know, wigs, we we're doing all these kind of things. And then we finally were like, okay, we need to find a professional dye that won't, won't, you know, ruin the hair. And then I had my friend Antu, like she was coming back from America, a trip to America, hand carry the purple dye over. We call it Amazon <laughs> to, to like to come in, in time. You know, it was just sort of like, okay, who who can help us for no money? <laughs> like, yeah. like who who's there? Who can? So basically, you know, that's really how nice. we were able to do this on a shoestring budget. We just relied on all of the all of our friends and family mm -hmm. to come together and 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 give their time. Yeah, yeah and, and then also, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Jenny. Oh no, I was just saying. Also, with the with the dubbed voices, you know, the the voice that plays the father is Joe Ho, who's been like our friend for like a billion Over two years. Decades, yeah. <laughs> and and as just like added so much warmth mm -hmm. to the character, like I love love love. And, and you know, I mean, at one point I was hoping that we could play the 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 English dub at the CAA screening. Yeah. We just couldn't get it in in time. But we're we're going to have like we're trying to set up a separate screening just for them, because I feel like. If you haven't seen the English dub, it's a completely different experience. Right. Even if you've seen Micah like five times, but, but you watch how, the English why dub. Is it, why do you think that that is the case? Why does it, why is the different language feel different? You, you, you mentioned it to me uh, last week. There's a specific reason that you brought up. It will, so it's the micro um, seconds that it takes for when your mind is reading the subtitles and watching the screen that you miss out on. And you don't realize this until you're watching a clean version, no text on the screen, and you're just listening to them. Suddenly, you're drawn into the performance even more. If you thought that they had amazing performances, when you watch the dubbed version, you'll notice the performance even more. And the film slows down. The film slows down because you're so much is happening on you're screen. Busy it's reading. a very exciting film, but your mind is not doing the extra nanosecond of looking here and then looking there, looking here, looking there, reading and then watching. And so your total focus is on the screen. And so the time slows down. And so the film feels more even. And then you're actually enjoying the performances more. Yeah, because like even like for me, you know, for all of us, we're very bilingual and very fluent, you know, like I don't need subtitles, but just because there are words there, you just automatically read even though even when you try not to. So I find like when when I've seen that when I saw the dub, like the kids are just cuter because you're just looking at them longer. So there's that there's an added magic. So I would say watch both. Yeah. You watch both because you do get something different. And I, that was also intentional because yeah. with the English uh, dub version, I I made it like a lot of fun. 
there was like there were so many other gags that were added with the English version that you don't get with the Vietnamese version. You know, you, you know, there's a lot of firsts with this film. Uh, this is the first Vietnamese uh, film to get a gold open. How significant is that? Oh, we are so blessed to be able to have the support from Gold House. You know, uh, I, I, I mean, Gold House is the reason why Crazy Rich Asian was, had that huge blow up, <laughs> yeah. you know, was because they were the ones that said to the community, hey, guys, if you want to be on the map, you got to put yourself on the map. Yeah. Yeah. And right. it's really reaching out to all the communities. And like, so yes, we, you know, him and I have both been in Vietnam over 10 years currently, you know, and we're, we're, you know, on our way back. But, you know, we started in the community, we left to go back to our home country. We're, we're back here now. And so there's connections from there. And then like people that are still in the community, you know, connections with Bao, Anderson, but then there's even more community out, communities out there. And I think it's just it, Gold House is giving us even further reach that we never thought that we and, could get to, you know, and even and, like last night, so last night at, at this at the CAA screening, this woman came up to me and she's Cambodian and she just she just came up to me and she was just like, I loved it, you know, like, and I just want to let you know, let's exchange contacts if you want to reach out to the Cam Cambodian community. Like, I think that Cambodian, are, my community would love this film. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, I, yes, please. I haven't reached, you know, I don't have any contacts in the Cambodian And another community. one was Mongolian. She came and she goes, oh, really? I love this film, you know, so let me know how I can help and I'll push it out with my community. And, and so it's just a blessing. You know? Yeah, and yeah. then during the audience, in the Q&A, Black woman was just like, black I want the African-American community would really love yep. to be part, you know, and just sort of like, how can we push this? Yeah, and we have to also thank Cape who, really helped us blast out the email because they have like thousands of, of you know names members. that contacts on their members on their list and so they would blast it out thousands of uh, you know and then just to say hey come out and see this film and so we had a lot of cape members who came too mm -hmm. and so just feeling so blessed that this film had so much support yeah, from the I, I i see the energy it, how, how much this film's energized you ham and jenny I, I, you know, I, I've seen you guys operate for the last 20 years and this movie is, it really is special. A lot of, there's a lot of us behind it. There's a lot of push behind it. It opens June 3rd in how many cities uh, across the 20, 24? 24 screens. 24 screens, yeah. It's like 21 cities. 21 it's amazing. Cities. How do we uh, get the information uh, on Showtime and all that? So you, we have a bit.ly. So it's bit.ly. Uh, forward slash Micah movie. So M A I K A M O V I E. So that's the BIT dot L Y forward slash M A I K A M O V I E. And that's the best way to just go there and then scroll down to get tickets. And then it'll give you a listing of all the all theaters, the cities, all yeah. the cities, and you just push and go through that way. And, um, and uh, so what we would love to, you know, you know, ask the listeners is like, help us like do group screenings. So you'll, Get a gather a group of friends and then you just go and you buy the group tickets, you know, um, and it's so much faster. But then if there's enough people, if you're able to gather enough people, then you can, uh, I think, uh, in order to qualify for the qualify, but, you know, basically gold recognized open. by gold open is if you spend like a thousand dollars. So if you just grab like 20 people and you guys buy a lot of tickets, then, you know, Gold House will actually send you this this uh, artwork that you can actually post. So with like companies who, who want to sponsor group viewings and things like that, we, we urge you to help us support this film because that's how films get programmed in cinemas, right? Yeah. If 
enough people go to see it, they go, oh, Vietnamese films can make money. Let's program more Vietnamese films, you know? Yeah. And that's how, you know, the Asian Americans have been able to, like the boom that we've had for the last five years, yeah. it's all because Asian Americans are now going out there and putting the money out to represent right and just feeling like we have a place in this in cinema in in the world you know like and i think you know out of all the fam films that ham has directed this is his second u.s release Mm -hmm. out of all the films that i've produced this is my first u.s release and it's not because we tried and failed it's because we didn't a lot of times we didn't even bother released theatrically theatrically Theatrically. in america because all of our films have always been purchased and then released on dvds and you know streaming and things like that but to get a a distributor to go I think there's a big enough audience for this film to be theatrically released. That's a huge, you know, sort of act of faith. Yeah. Because otherwise, normally you would do what, you know, we would call four wall, right? So we would actually buy the theater ourselves. ourselves. Rent it, yeah. Rent it. I'm sorry, rent it. Not buy. Rent the theater ourselves and put the movie out. But this time, you know, Welgo bought our film and distributed it. And it's amazing. And they insisted on the theatrical release. Yeah. It wasn't like a deal where we're like, oh, can, can we please release it in the theaters? They're like, no, we want to release this in cinemas, yeah. you know? And so they were the ones that took the, the first impetus to actually try and book as many uh, locations as possible. And so as long as the community comes out to support it, that actually that list will continue to grow and more cities will be, you know, will be added to that list. Like, I think it was just since yesterday, like Sacramento was added, you know, um, more cities would get added every day. Right? And, and I think it's just like, I hope that there's so much great cinema out there. And I hope that, you know, uh, you know, more indie filmmakers like us will want to like be feel inspired to put their films out there, yeah. you know? And so, and so it's not, you know, we're not the only ones. And I hope that we, I know that the people before us have inspired us. Mm-hmm. So I hope that we can continue that wave, you know? You know, uh, Yesterday, I was on a conversation uh, with uh, Welgo, and here's a very interesting fact. Paper Tigers, which was uh, released last year, uh, picked up by Welgo, directed by Bao Zheng uh, up in Seattle. Our friend. Our dear friend. And he, uh, the guys over at Welgo said to me this, and I really want to emphasize this to the listeners. Two to three weeks after paper tigers left the theater it was brought back into the theater three or four weeks later you can just simply request really yeah we bring it back yeah and they just brought it back because you know people were like oh we want to bring this uh, as a group sale so they would pay you know a few hundred dollars and 20 30 people would go watch it and i want to let everybody know that if you guys want to fly the director and jenny out to do a <laughs> you guys just to us you know on on the on on our ig account at, at east films or uh, at the vietnamese podcast and you know this is something that we are very passionate about to to go out um uh, ham has a multi-city tour that we put together for ham uh friday uh which is tomorrow night uh which actually will be airing tomorrow would will be tonight if you're hearing it on friday mm-hmm. june 3rd he will be, uh, Ham will be at a Q&A session in Orange County. Sunday will be in San Jose and then the following Tuesday in Houston. And this can keep going if there's interest like in Chicago, Atlanta, if groups want to fly Ham out and extend the theatrical 
movement of mica we are open to this we want this to happen we want to get ham out there to do q a's we right ham this is something that um and me too if you have the budget. and jenny as well yeah <laughs> jenny and ham up too i yeah. always said i was telling people like like my mom loved to travel okay mm -hmm. she loved traveling that's the only thing and so for me to be able to travel with this movie is like me taking you know yeah. her on a little trip you know yeah so it's it's great we're just putting it out there yeah i was very i was very surprised that paper tiger left the theaters for three weeks came back and in seattle and bow did the q a's because you know he's from seattle so that's something like if we can keep extending it and keep playing it in theaters we are here for the public and we're here for everybody listening oh you guys are on, on mute uh-uh Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> we didn't want you to go deaf because it's it like it was literally the helicopter was right over. Are we by an airport? <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. But we're we're a very policed a neighborhood. So oh, that's, what the, that's oh really? Yeah. 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 Well, thank you both. I know you guys have like uh, thirty meeting, uh, thirty like press interviews uh, coming up today and 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 the next uh, four days. So. Thank you guys both for for being on and uh, we will, you know, hopefully the audience will see you both uh, out at all these Q&A's. Thank you so much for giving us so much time. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, the Vietnamese podcast. And thank you personally, Ken, for just being amazing champion, yes. championing, talking to the theaters, coordinating buyout, buyouts, like freaking organizing the Orange County premiere and just being wonderful. Thank you both. I love thank you guys you. both very much. <laughs> Kumbaya group. Kumbaya, Kumbaya. <laughs> to retrain right. you back. <laughs> oh, and also, also, um, we're no longer doing bang theme. Now we do mic a hand. <laughs> mic a hand now. Screenshot, screenshot. Oh, screenshot. Screen screen oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, guys. I'll talk to you guys okay. soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Wynn. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening.